Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast, which delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 294, Women's Fitness, Preconception, Pregnancy, and Postpartum and so much more. Um, We are stoked to have Dr. Lindsay Matthews Cantu on as she is just a wealth of knowledge on all things women's fitness, pregnancy, birth, postpartum recovery, chiropractic care, and so, so much more. And she is a fellow medical freedom fighter, which is really how I think we first came to know about her. Yes, absolutely. Nothing like the bad season to bring bright light to the most important people in the community. Uh, So it's a really fun conversation that we go into. We do talk a little bit about, you know, the birthing business industry Mm -hmm. and the medical industrial complex and how that really over-sciences, over-medicates, and takes away the natural innate process. So it's a pretty awesome episode. I know y'all are going to enjoy. I don't think that you need to take notes per se. We will have a bunch of links that are referenced of some good reads and videos and such to watch. Um, And of course, links to where you can connect with Lindsay because I know y'all are going to love her once you get to know her in today's episode. Um, But before we go into welcoming her on, let's share today's sponsor, which is KetoCon. We are super excited to share that both Becky and and I, and family probably, we'll probably have the kiddos running around yeah, at some point, will be too. at KetoCon this Austin, um, in Austin this uh, July, excuse me, July 8th through the 10th. So just a couple weeks out, KetoCon is an annual event at the Palmer Event Center in Austin, Texas, and the largest event in the country focused on the science and stories of living a ketogenic diet and lifestyle. I will be on stage twice. I will be on the medical panel on Friday afternoon, which I always love doing. It's so fun to bring a functional medicine approach to the table with other medical doctors and practitioners and talking about the scientific impact, biochemical influence, and sometimes where keto goes wrong and how to troubleshoot and get best outcomes. And then on Saturday, I will be on the main stage as well talking about the keto immune connection. So I know that's going to be a spicy talk and I can't wait to see all of you there. This is by far my favorite conference of the year and I'm so excited to be back in person this year of course. There are going to be over 50 speakers so a whole breadth of professionals from medical professionals to researchers to successful bloggers and tech developers and fitness experts as well as everyday people who have literally had life-changing outcomes using the ketogenic diet and then there's 250 plus vendors so these are going to be different food products that you get a huge bag full of samples of things as you go around and meet and greet um, tech providers. So anything from learning on different devices to test your ketone levels and look at heart rate variability and all sorts of fun 
you know, kind of biohacking types of tools, uh, including wearable devices like CGMs. There will be um, so much more, including supplements and foods and such. And this is really a fun time to just build community. So if you have felt isolated or you're looking for motivation to get started with your ketogenic journey or you're doing keto flawlessly and pandemic threw you off and you just need another kick in the pants or some inspiration and um, some excitement in your life, this is a really great time to come together. Uh, Becky and I, like I said, will be there with our families. It's very um, accessible to all of the speakers. So I'll also be doing a 40-minute book signing and meet and greet that we will be there for. So I'd love to meet you, give you a high five or a hug, whatever you're you know, most into, and um, say hello, hear about your successes with Food as Medicine, what you've learned from the Naturally Nourished podcast or reading my books, and um, just share learning and networking. I know that coming alone would be absolutely fine because you're going to meet so many new friends, um, but also this would be a fun thing to travel to Austin with a dear friend or a family member or a spouse or something like that. So go on over to ketocon.org and click on the uh, three-day ticket pass. You have until July 1st to take advantage of a 10% discount on the three-day general admission pass using the code NOURISHED10. Again, the code is NOURISHED10. That allows them to know you heard about it through the Naturally Nourished podcast and you save 10%. Go on over to ketocon.org, get your three-day pass, and use the code NOURISHED10 at checkout. Yes, it will be so much fun and well worth it. I'm excited to do another in-person event where I don't have to do the wedding planning. I'm just right, saying. Right, exactly. <laughs> we just get to show up. Uh-uh. Yes, it's like all of the high and uh-huh. the adrenaline and the happy joy without the like preemptive stress. So yes. I'm excited for yep. this like passive experience of awesomeness and just seeing all the people. All right. I am going to read Dr. Lindsay's bio and then we'll bring her on the podcast. Lindsay is a doctor of chiropractic, birth doula, NLP practitioner, strength and conditioning coach, and Mercier therapist. Lindsay started BirthFit in 2013 as a blog with a deep desire to support and educate women in their menstrual cycles, movement and fitness and training, biohacking, nourishment, and throughout the motherhood transition. She's now the CEO and founder of BirthFit and the co-founder of Willow House in New Braunfels, Texas. BirthFit provides holistic, general strength and conditioning for women in all seasons and cycles of their lives, including preconception, pregnancy, and healing postpartum. Willow House is a nervous system chiropractic and wellness practice in New Braunfels, Texas, serving intentional living people and families throughout the Texas Hill Country. Lindsay and her husband, Lance, currently call Wimberley, Texas home. Lindsay's core values are love, growth, freedom, and connection. Welcome, Lindsay, to the Naturally Nourished podcast. We are so excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me, y'all. I love sitting across the the table from your beautiful faces. Yes. We rarely get to do guest (laughs) interviews in person, so this one is in person. Yay! Everyone appreciates the audio, so... Yes. You, you guys are welcome. We made it. We're here together. And actually, funny <laughs> enough, Lindsay and I are neighbors, yeah. so yeah. it couldn't have been easier. Yeah. Yep. We saw her walking her dog one day. I know. <laughs> I was like, hey, I know her. <laughs> <laughs> and at the restaurant. Yes. Um, yeah. 
Small town. Such a small yeah. town. <laughs> yeah. Small town living. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Awesome. So I first really found out about you um, back when I was pregnant with Noah and I was moving to Austin and someone threw me, you know, your name as someone to follow on Instagram. Um, and I quickly realized like you knew what was up during the <laughs> scamdemic bad season, whatever. Um, and fast forward to four months postpartum, I was having like major low back stuff, decided Mm. I was going to switch chiropractors and I knew I needed Mm. your birth fit magic. Um, and you really helped to like rehab and heal and I'm super grateful. Um, but tell us just your story and, and how you came to do the amazing work that you do. Mm. It's, it's so hard to talk about myself. I don't know if anybody else is like that. So I'll try to give you like the, the summary, the efficient summary. But um, yeah, I always knew I was going to be a healer. And um, part of my journey includes my childhood and upbringing, as I'm sure yours and yours sure. and everybody's does. Um, but it came through different forks in the road in childhood. I grew up with asthma, um, had terrible hospital stay when I was like in fourth grade and then from that point on I was like I knew in my body I probably didn't have words for it but I knew I wanted to help people fast forward to high school I blew out my knee I tore my ACL and the ligaments in my left knee and that kind of crushed my dreams of being a professional soccer player or um, even being a cheerleader for I don't know if y'all know this but the Louisville um, cheerleaders are pretty amazing. They win national titles all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my high school involves soccer and cheerleading. Those were the okay. sports I played, but I blew out my knee. And so my athletic dreams were crushed. And that that's kind of where I started like a dark spiral spiral in my life. But also like I was awakened to God, use that word. Um, <laughs> Awake is different than woke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, were like I just got introduced to different kind of healthcare modalities and I'll share like I had a wonderful knee surgeon at the time we searched around for different knee surgeons and we ended up going with the one that told me I would be a hundred percent back you know on the field as but it was up to me as long as I put in the work and did what I was supposed to do love it yeah no one gives, I don't no. want to say no one, but I think it's so uncommon mm. to provide a patient autonomy and empowerment. Yeah, yeah. right. Totally. <laughs> so that's huge. I was like, well, that's amazing. I'm going to work my ass off. Yeah. So, okay. He made me, and th- okay, let me paint the picture of this, this doc. So this was the year 2000 and, um, I go to see him. He's in San Antonio and he's one of the Spurs orthos at the time. So I made my mom like drive me to San Antonio and he wears scrubs and cowboy boots <laughs> and he kind of looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> Love it. Love it. But he made me train or prehab for surgery. So I was going into physical therapy in the athletic training room before surgery. He suggested chiropractic. He suggested rolfing. He suggested acupuncture. I was like, what? I've never heard of these things. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that moment was pretty pivotal in my life because I had not been introduced to chiropractic. I had not been introduced to anything other than sick care and the standard American diet in my life. Yeah. Um, So I had knee surgery. The moment I woke up, my knee was, you know, in a range of motion device. And then shortly thereafter, I was walking on crutches. 
I was walking, I was running, like I knew exactly what I was doing, you know, different uh, timeline, time milestones. And my recovery was amazing. I was able to do tumbling, which is yeah. cheerleading thing, um, you know, back again in almost like six months, which is kind of unheard of. Totally. Um, and so that's pretty pivotal, you know, coming back to the childbirth stuff. I'll get into it in a minute. But that started my journey. And so oh, I was like, I have to be an orthopedic surgeon, just like him. So I went to A&M. I studied pre-med and geeked out on some biology stuff. Almost went like research route, like genetics really fascinated me, but ended up going uh, pre-med route. And at the last bit, I did a, um, I studied abroad in Tanzania, Africa. And that's where I was exposed to kind of like the medical bullshit corruption that American society is infringing on other traditional mm-hmm. um, cultures and traditions around the world. And I spent time over there, called my parents from a payphone, and I got my stepdad on the phone. There's no cell phones at this time. And, um, well, if there were, they were like the big Zach Morris yep. phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the case, yes. the big kit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I said, you know, I don't think I can go to medical school. All we're doing is prescribing pills mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. medication. And I just sat across from this family who... the. the Dirty water is like the biggest hurdle that they have, mm-hmm. you know, and we're sitting here prescribing this, this kid, a medication that's going to run out when I'm gone. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's crazy. That's it's like, you're not making their life better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came home and just like, didn't know what to do with myself, but my stepdad's like, if you come back and live in this house, you have to have a job. So I started waiting tables at the grist mill in New Braunfels. I don't know if y'all have heard of that. But um, it's a big tourist spot. I know where. I know, I've, I know of it. But I've I have been not there, actually. Eaten I have been there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So all, I was doing that, and then I started shadowing, shadowing a chiropractor, and that's how I got introduced to chiropractic. I was like, "You're using your hands, like I love using yeah. my hands." And like I could, I thought about this so much. I could show up in Africa with just my hands, yeah, and I could have helped people. Mm-hmm. Like what, that was like a big regret. Powerful. For me. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up applying to chiropractic school. I applied to one in LA, which was like the furthest away for me at the time from Texas. Got accepted and just went out there. I saved $10,000, which did not last long in Los Angeles. Yeah. (laughs) But I started chiropractic school. And so I was still on this like sports therapy, rehab journey, um, wanted to be a chiro for athletes and stuff. And fast forward through chiropractic school, Right after I got jobs, jobs, plural, like I was working in the professional sports world, Olympic training center on set for movies with actors and actresses. And I was getting people ready for their big event, their um, you know, biggest soccer game of their life or the NBA finals or, you know, scene in a movie. Yeah. And so I was specializing in prehab and rehab. And that's where a ton of knowledge like I was building that knowledge bank for birth fit, but I didn't know it at the time. And so fast forward, it was me and three guys that were basically working together. And by default, I got all the women. And especially if they mentioned anything birth related, postpartum mm-hmm. related, women's health related. And at the time I was like, y'all, I don't know any of this. I got the same education y'all got. Right, right, right. We had like 10 minutes on pregnancy and Uh pediatrics in Cairo school and, you know, a term on nutrition. That's it. Similar to, I'm sure, everybody else. Right. 
so I just, I just said, yes, I just said yes to the opportunity and I wanted to learn more. And so that's where I started signing up for anything that had the word pregnancy, postpartum. I did doula training. Like I just dove headfirst in, but the wild thing was even in the chiropractic world there, there was a diplomat course through ICPA. I did all of that. I did all the seminars, but it was mostly focused on pediatrics. It was not focused on the pregnant mother, the pregnant mm-hmm. woman, the, there no preconception. There was no postpartum healing. And what baffled me, and I just was like so frustrated, was like, I knew exactly what I was doing after ACL surgery. Like I had a game plan that whole first year, but you take a mom and whether she has a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth, which is a major abdominal surgery and there's no game plan. Mm -hmm. There's a six week checkup and you're cleared for sex and exercise at that. And oftentimes there's no vaginal exam then. So you have no idea what's going on with your pelvic floor. There's no, like, as you were talking about earlier hormones, Mm -hmm. like you you have no idea, no idea of mental health. There's usually Mm -hmm. never like a questionnaire that's given. And I was like, wow, we have done such a disservice, uh, for mothers in our country. And no, like within America, we have the worst maternal mortality rate, mm-hmm. right? Out of all developed countries. It's terrible. We spend over $100 billion a year. 52% of the deaths happen in the first year postpartum. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Like within the first year postpartum. Mm-hmm. So like the more I was reading, the more I was finding out, and then the more I was attending births, like that became my athletic event. My, I was like, screw the NBA finals, right. screw the world cup. Like I want to be here. Yeah. Like this is, this is where the physical and the non-physical meet. This is amazing. Yeah. And I, like I knowing myself, I'm much better at being on the sidelines rather than being the athlete. Like even growing up, like my, I'll give you an example. Like I was head cheerleader, but I hated the, um, the attention my sister was a much better performer. So I always put her at the point of the dances, everything. And I'm like, okay, I'll be right behind you. I'll be supporting you. I'll be your biggest advocate, your biggest cheerleader. And so knowing that about myself and then becoming a doula, I was like, oh, this just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I became a birth doula, started attending births and that's where BirthFit was born. And I just started sharing my experience as a chiropractor, as a doula, and then as a coach, um, my ex and I opened a gym in LA called Deuce Gym, and that's where I started coaching and teaching all things strength and conditioning. Love it. So it was all under one umbrella, and that's how it started as a blog. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I've seen your uh, birth fit slogan that birth is the most athletic event of your life. And now I'm kind of feeling like, do, 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 like, you know, like get the, like, get the war paint on, mama, you know, like there is, you know. Totally. So let's just talk a little bit about in your perspective and in your work with birth fit, what are the most important things to do to prepare for birth? And at what point... You know, maybe even preconception. Are there things that you need to pre-prepare for? Uh, Let's kind of just talk about the the overhaul. Um, And and let's just focus on, for now, physical. uh, (laughs) Right, we could go anywhere. But the physical (laughs) training areas that we want to make sure are agile and or, you know, strong and toned and in alignment. Totally. So, okay. Yeah, let's back it up a little. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
there's so much physical and mental and emotional that's connected. And I'll say also like nourishment labs and all that stuff, but y'all cover all that. Um, so I won't dive into that too much because I love to refer out and work with other people, local people, whatever. But, um, you know, we work with a ton of athletes, professional athletes, um, amateur athletes. Like we're all athletes as we move our body, ideally on the regular daily. And, um, when you're talking about preconception, you know, I would start to investigate your relationship. And I mean like my relationship, each individual relationship with, let's say food, with the Mm -hmm. word birth, with your relationship with movement. Um, how were you born? How were you brought into this world? Like what kinds of emotions come up around that? Um, and then exploring your values as an individual and then as a couple, because you're about to get started down this freaking rabbit hole of, you know, parenting. And as a mother, you are the nourisher, you're the caretaker of your family. And that means, you know, prior to like probably our mom's generation, our grandma's generation, these were women that had like built their own medicine cabinets, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you had a sickness, a fever, an ailment, what's in mom's medicine cabinet, what's Mm -hmm. in grandma's medicine cabinet. So you're going to be making a ton of decisions around health and wellness for your family. And as you talk about, like food is medicine. Mm -hmm. And so you're stocking the fridge, you're stocking the pantry, all of that. Like it's so, it's so intertwined. And I say values because, you know, we're, that's, we're at a great, like, fork in the road in America Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, do I want to, um, you know, if my kid has a fever, do I want to throw some Tylenol and Advil on it? Or do I want to go in a more holistic, natural approach to try to like, do I understand why a fever occurs in the first place? The immune system's ability to kill pathogen. Yes. (laughs) Why are we interfering with that? Enter our YouTube yeah, video on bone broth popsicles yeah. and fever mix. I will make no. all like that. That's a good tip for that. Yes. Love it. So, like, I do a lot of preconception exploration. Yeah. And, you know, oh, it's so, so mental, so emotional. And a lot of the times when people start to explore their birth, they, like, emotions come up. They realize, oh, my gosh, I'm unsettled there or I'm not complete there or whatever words they want to use, you know, and I'll give you an example. Like I work with an energy healer, somatic person, and we did some work around, um, my birth. This was probably a year ago. I had no idea this was going to come up. And afterwards, you know, I come out like out of it. I'm like, what the, she was like, well, you know, we were talking and about your birth and what came up was that I was robbed. And those were the words Mm -hmm. I used. I was like, I was robbed. And she was like, what do you think you were robbed of? Of, And I said, they cut the cord early. Mm -hmm. They cut Mm -hmm. the cord early. So I didn't get all that just nutrients that I needed. Mm -hmm. I was like, I've never even said that out loud. I don't even know if that happened. (laughs) Guarantee it happened. Uh, Right, right, right. Went back and explored. It makes so much sense. Like I was born early. They sent me off to NICU. I was robbed of the whole, you know, golden hour, Mm -hmm. everything. So I would definitely encourage, you know, exploration around your birth, how you're brought earthside and then values, 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 because you're going to come into so many forks in the road and it starts like preconception. Mm -hmm. But if you have practice in making decisions around your values in alignment with your values 
and in love instead of fear, yes. then you're not going to regret those decisions. Mm-hmm. And everything is amplified during pregnancy. Yeah. And like it's extremely amplified during labor and birth. And then postpartum, it's like, what just happened? Yeah. You yes. know, especially so, that first month. And it's interesting on that emotional influence. I often have that conversation with women that are dealing with infertility. Mm. And I have a, a conversation of like, how deep do you know that your spouse is really on board for this? Yeah. Because are yes. there blocks outside of your being? Mm. Like this is something that you want Absolutely. and they don't want. They're saying to appease you they want it. Um, oh, so Because true. I think that that has a huge role. Huge. Um, if, we, if we know the influence of epigenetics and the fact that our thoughts and our emotions can impact yes. physiological function, it's like... You're darn right that's going to impact mm-hmm. sperm motility and morphology. Yes. It just yes. is because yeah. there's a physiological barrier of like, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. He's like, all right, I'm going. Lock it but up. Like, yeah. no, you know, at the same yeah, time. Totally. And so the disconnect is, is a huge piece too. Oh my gosh, yes. The other thing I'll say is like working with athletes, like there always has to be a grieving process, a grieving process of like what life once was and, you know, body image, the independence, all of that around, oh my God, I was this fabulous athlete or I had this fabulous six pack Mm -hmm. or whatever, my body was banging. And, you know, the six pack may never come back and that's okay. You may never get your pre-baby body back. And in fact, I would say you're not going to because you're an evolved person. This Mm -hmm. is a new chapter of your life, except that. So there's so much grieving and we use the metaphor, like we love, um, archetypes. And so we're like, like letting go of the princess and we're moving into this queen in training. Mm -hmm. And so we use a lot of queen in training phrase during the postpartum and then stepping into our queen and owning that queen, queen archetype. And we, what I really like to, you know, work with people on is like, who are the queens in your life and what traits can you gather from them? And like one time I did this exercise and I was like, Deb Kern. Yes. She's a queen. <laughs> she's, she's my queen. When you just yes. said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She can wear like four inch heels, even though she is like five foot 11 or 10. Ten yeah. And, and it just might be her energy that feels so tall, but she is tall <sighs> and she can like wear high heels and rock it. Yeah. And Holy. like she can be sultry she can dance and in sensual. We know she um, yes. Yeah. It's pretty yes. awesome. <laughs> but that like, I was like, Deb, she's such a queen. She doesn't care about what anybody else thinks. Yeah. She just is genuine in her power and in a room and you just feel so freaking good around her. And I was like, that's what, that's the queen I want to be. <laughs> so, it. you know, that was my example, but, um, yeah, for athletes and people that really prioritize sport or fitness, like CrossFit, even Pilates running orange theory, whatever it may be, if they prioritize it and it's a big part of their life, it's like, okay, like we, the, a, this might not be an opportunity for a de-stressor in the future. You know, if you need an outlet, let's say third trimester, early postpartum, going to the CrossFit gym may not be the best thing, mm-hmm. you know, like jumping into a CrossFit class. No. Um, so letting that go, stepping into the full feminine energy instead of, uh, the masculine energy that is so dominated in our world, in our society, mm-hmm. and even in the fitness world and nutrition world, like letting go of numbers, letting go of scales or percentages on the bars, things like that, and embracing more of that feminine flow and cultivating nourishment, and whether it be through movement, food, 
um, lifestyle practices, things like that. So that would love be it. all like preconception, yes. first trimester stuff. Love it, love it, yeah. love it. So, okay, <laughs> so, so tell good. us movements though. Yeah. I want to know the movements. <laughs> movements. Do I need to do, yeah, like bridges, pelvic yeah, floor. Yeah. When do we start what working it? pelvic floor? When do we start working <laughs> about our hips that are expanding? So I would say the earlier the better. If you can start to pay attention to your breath and how your breath just integrates in your body and your breathing patterns. Are you a chest breather or do you actually get breath going on? you know, in your lower abdomen, your lower back, does your ribs and your side body expand 360 degrees? Or are we like locked up Mm -hmm. here? Yeah. Um, the sooner you can bring awareness around breath, the better, because all movement originates from our core Mm -hmm. and all core movement, all core work, everything originates with the breath. Mm -hmm. And so our breaths, you know, is our diaphragm and pelvic floor. When we inhale, everything lowers and expands. That's a regular human breath, diaphragm breath. If you watch babies, they're so good at it Mm -hmm. Um, because all they know, they don't have the the strength in their chest to be chest breathers. They just, their innate intelligence just takes over and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, innately we just inhale, everything lowers and expands. And then on the exhale, everything naturally returns back to neutral. So that's like, if you can just visualize that and maybe even visualize it as like an mm-hmm. elevator. I love that. Great. Um, that would like be, that was the first thing in your first session that yeah. you've given me. Like, <laughs> this is way harder than she's making it sound. Oh, but, for yeah. sure. For <laughs> sure. And then if you think about postpartum, mm-hmm. you know, you like, I'm already jumping Especially ahead. Especially with diastasis. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything like diaphragm. You've run out of room because yeah. baby's taken over. They're like, I like to say they're like college kids that don't care about the inside of the house. They're just renting <laughs> they're and trying. they've just wrecked shop. Yeah. And you've like the range of motion of the diaphragm mm-hmm. significantly decreased. So you have to work on the range and you've of motion. And kicked again. in the ribs a million times. Right. Yeah. Right. All the things. Yep. <laughs> Bruised from the yeah. inside, like out. Yeah. Um, so breath awareness is huge. Then the other thing I would say is if you can start to explore range of motion and movement in all different planes of motion. So what I see a lot with athletes or um, runners, crossfitters, and cyclists, runners, crossfitters, and cyclists all live predominantly in the sagittal plane of motion. So they're running, Mm -hmm. they're cycling, or they're crossfitting, mm-hmm. you know, in that one plane of motion. Linear, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Where birth does not happen <laughs> just in the sagittal plane of motion. As you you know, you've experienced, like, baby has to, like, corkscrew their way mm-hmm. all the way down, and mom's moving. And that's why one position never right. feels great throughout the entirety of labor. Mm. Uh, you got to find another one for the next three to ten contractions. Maybe tabletop, maybe lunge, maybe mm-hmm. sideline, maybe lying on your side in a birth pool you know mm-hmm. um so birth doesn't happen in all planes of motion the thing i'll add also on that is um there's been beautiful conversations i've had around movement and fitness and um women being too fit for birth and i hear this like midwives and ob's this was like a big conversation when i first started in yes. la and um they're like, this woman is too fit. The baby didn't descend. Yes. 
So I was like, "There's, there's got to be more going on here." So I what's forget the, what I was told not to do. They were like, like "I think it's ca- yeah, 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 don't do too many kegels." Yeah. And also something about like squats or like right. I don't know. It's mm. interesting. Yeah. So I'm doing so many squats. <laughs> yeah. <your> program. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Bust, bust the myth. Let's go. Yeah. Tell so <laughs> I do think there's some truth to it, but not all the truth. So what I found was that yes, they might be you know super freaking fit. But what happens is they're type A. They mm-hmm. can't relax. They can't yeah. surrender. Mm-hmm. They're clinchers. They're clinchers. Yeah. They're like, and they have never been taught, you know, that it's actually a beautiful thing to be able to downregulate your nervous yeah. system. Yeah. So like, how do how do you breathe? You know. Um, so at the very like very least, if you can elongate your exhales, which you you automatically start to see women do like almost instinctually in between contractions. Like you just finished a contraction. You see a woman go, Oh, mm-hmm. that was, let that one Especially go. Sound. <laughs> yeah. Sound yeah. Yeah. And like low vibratory yeah. sounds mm-hmm. like so good. But if they're like caught up in their head and not in their body and they're trying to check the boxes instead of surrender to the actual experience, then yeah, they're, they're like all wound up and, not it's not going to happen so that's when I was like well okay that makes somewhat sense like some some sort of sense there because if they're too tight their pelvic floor is too tight you know um, we hold so much trauma and emotions in our pelvic floor and we want our pelvic floor to be strong but we also want it to be able to relax Mm -hmm. it's got to be able to relax and you know as women we're up against these kind of culturally accepted ideas these narratives that you have to suck in all the time or that you have to pull your pelvic floor up and in and if you just think about that and you're walking around like that especially if you've done things like dance you know or ballet and you're just like Mm-hmm. Like we're in the corset. Yes. Yeah. It's not comfortable and, <laughs> and you're not going to relax. Your organs are annoyed. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. So there's like, sure, we need our pelvic floor to contract and be able to do a Kegel, but we also need it to relax. And that's going to mm. bring strength too. strength in a different way. So I would say breath awareness, training in different planes of motion. You can start all of that preconception. Love it. And then if you're like, first trimester started yesterday. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we have what's called the birth fit basics and they're 15 movements and poses and they're based on developmental milestones from us as humans. Okay. And each of us go through these developmental milestones. If you were to like, if you were to leave Noah or leave who, yeah. like a baby in the middle of the room on a blanket, uninterrupted, but with like some motivation, some cool blocks and toys and things like that, they would naturally progress through these movement milestones mm-hmm, yeah. on their own. Whether it be, you know, a baby in Texas, a baby in Japan, yep. Croatia, wherever, they're going to start with like a happy baby. They're going well, they're actually going to start moving their thumbs outside. Like that's how they that's the first. Then they start finding their breath, their stability breath, engaging that diaphragm like using the ground to stabilize. Then they start kind of like moving their arms and legs, happy baby. Um, Then they can start to progress. Like then they can touch their thighs, their knees, then grab their their feet. Mm -hmm. Then they start to look and then they're like, oh, I want to go over there. So then they start to roll over to one Mm -hmm. side. And then you start to engage. Once you get on that side, now you have like side plank options. Mm -hmm. And so you're 
<clears throat> excuse me, stabilizing on your ipsy side or your mm-hmm. same side, then you start to, oh, if baby can push up to that hand instead of lay on the elbow, then you're pushing up and now you're in this like shin box or this oblique sit or baby can start to reach and then they're like, oh my gosh, I can get in tabletop or I can start to crawl eventually. So yeah. they're unstoppable, you know, at that point. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, all of these birth at basics are based on those developmental milestones. Yes. So happy baby, dead bug, bird dog, oblique sit, shin box, yes. high bear, um, all of that, which is, you know, something that we incorporate in all of our programs. And so, the, yeah, it was so cool for me to be <coughs> doing those while I was watching Noah also learn oh, to do yeah. them postpartum. Yeah. And yeah. now I'm relearning them again. Yeah. Yeah. Right and, and just such primal, yeah. innate. Primal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think these are movements that, you know, every human should be able to do. Yeah. But we lose the ability and or we never hit those milestones. Mm-hmm. Like, if, um, you know, a baby, like let's say babies in orphanages, there, there's studies done on them where they're like never given stimulation or they're mm-hmm. in their crib the whole time. The desire to move and explore is just not there. Um, babies that never crawl or, you know, humans that never crawl does not do anything good for their brain development. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to integrate our foot on the ground is huge and that comes with rolling over and then getting into tripod and then you know tabletop and high Mm -hmm. bear um so if they can progress through all of that they're such beautiful movers i know i didn't i was stuck in one of those um walkers yeah i was gonna say the little spinning yeah Yeah. i I see pictures i'm like no wonder like i was so clumsy (laughs) i said robbed i said robbed robbed of everything Um, so yeah, they're, they're awesome movements and they show up in different places. Like in pregnancy, they're part of like the warm up. Mm-hmm. postpartum. We start with those and they feel like, Oh my God, this is a PR, my personal uh-huh. best. Right it, was, it was yeah. such a relearning of like what felt yeah. so basic, but I was like, this is so, so mm-hmm. hard. Um, I want to ask about like the flip side of this too, where mm. I feel like the conventional knowledge or wisdom on pregnancy is like, don't lift anything over 10 pounds. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's what my first OB <laughs> yeah, said to me. And I was like, eh. And then my mother-in-law, now that I'm pregnant again, is like, don't lift Noah. He's 30 pounds. I'm like, like I'm not going to lift He's my He's not going to not let you. Can't, yeah. get but, can't get him out of the car. Right, yes. right exactly. Yeah. What, am I, what am I supposed to be doing here? Yeah. But, um, are there certain things that I guess are off limits during pregnancy? How hard should we be going? Yeah. And, and, you know, I see some like amazing pregnant athletes in, in all of your birth oh my videos, gosh oh, yeah, I'm like, thinking of um, I don't know if I can do that but. And, like, <laughs> Crystal, Crystal Sykes shout out maybe oh, she's yeah. having her baby now she might, be. she might um, be yeah but she's like heavy lifting and doing squats yeah. all the way down it was funny uh, there was a footage of Robert filming her that's her husband and she's like this is why all my videos are muted because he's like oh yeah drop the baby he's like he's like he's like ooh that baby just dropped the floor that's how you grow a booty you know he's like got the funny uh, little like, the husband backstory. commentary yes yes yes, yes. oh my uh, but gosh. it's so funny and, and no she I mean, she looks beyond fabulous. I mean, she's always been a lifter. So I guess, right. What do we kind of look at as goals and where to modify? Yeah. 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 What to modify? Yeah. Well, it's all relative. So there's the unfortunate, but also fortunate thing is there's no one size fits all model. And this is what we try to teach in our birth education foundations course, like for leaders and coaches is we'll give you guidelines and a template 
but every single woman is different. You know, they come into pregnancy with a different map, a different lens. Um, their training backgrounds were different. Showing up for a training day is going to be different every freaking day. Um, so yeah. So to hit on your question, like don't lift over 10 pounds. Like that's, that's just an old misconception. And you know, a lot of the things were, um, blanket statements that were Mm -hmm. started by male doctors that have no idea what it's like to be in a female body, you know, and that's just like the truth there. Um, the other thing is you are lifting more than 10 pounds almost immediately after birth. You're (laughs) lifting a handbag, a diaper bag, a baby, like all of that adds up. You know, I think I did like general math, like 30 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Like you are oh, and if you're carrying a car seat, that's, yeah. shoot, out girl, you're at your, 60 yeah. pounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and out from your core. Yeah. Tell me about that. It, there's no good biomechanics on it. Yep. There's like, <laughs> it's wild. So for doctors, you know, healthcare professionals to make that statement is just kind of ignorant and lazy because um, they haven't, A, probably worked out themselves or been around a new, like, immediate postpartum woman. And do you think that's from like decades prior of the idea of a woman being meek and feminine and like, yeah, they, maybe. They, I don't know. Right. I'm just yeah. curious of totally where that came from. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I know it's so wild. There's others like, um, don't get your heart rate above like 120 or something. Mm-hmm. And again, that's relative. Like everybody's heart rate is going to be so different. Sure. And somebody that's training, like their heart rate's going to be much lower than somebody that comes into pregnancy maybe a little bit overweight, more sedentary. Mm-hmm. They're going to get out of breath going up a set of stairs. Sure. So that's kind of all over the place. Um, we like to use, we, I say we use intuition mm-hmm. um, and HRV. So if people okay. have, um, you know, the tools like Aura Ring or Whoop or some other tools out there that track your HRV, that's a cool thing. Um, HRV, heart rate variability, measures the range of motion of your nervous system. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to say. And, you know, our goal within BirthFit is to let your nervous system know that it's safe in these mm-hmm. movements, to cultivate a connection and safety within movements, because you might see these movements in labor and birth, and then for sure postpartum. Um, so if you're training and your HRV, you know, has all of a sudden dropped, then that might not be a good day to go hard. If your HRV is staying around the same, maybe even trending up, okay, maybe you can go a little harder today. But above all, your intuition knows. You know your body better than anybody. And I hate these programs that say, don't listen to your intuition. <laughs> There's some out there. They are. It's like <laughs> probably made by the same people that say calories in, calories out. Yeah. Right. It's like, like what are you going to use during labor right. and motherhood? And like your We're intuition saying, is uh-huh. like Health is powerful. at all sizes. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so bizarre. Um, some general r- rules that we do get into is, um, you know, if you are training with a barbell, drop the barbell by the end of the first trimester. Because if you're a lifter and that's what you do, you're going to mess up your bar path because you're going to go around your belly. Okay. It's like subconscious. Mm-hmm. You're going to protect baby belly at all costs. Yeah. And then you're going to just develop really poor movement patterns. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, it can't be good for your shoulders. No. <laughs> like what? Um, if you're running, like same thing. Like if you think of all these in like the biomechanics sense, like when your biomechanics start to alter or... Um, 
you know, change, Mm -hmm. then that's the time to stop or go to the previous progression of that movement. So if you're running and we like, you're not posed running anymore and you start to heel strike because you're like top heavy and you don't want to like lean forward anymore, but you're like almost preventing the momentum every stride by, you know, heel striking, then you're going to set yourself up for lower back pain, hamstring, uh, strain, like just a lot of musculoskeletal injuries or strains that are definitely not necessary or, you know, going to be helpful at that time. Sure. Um, so say running, rowing, um, biking tends to be the thing, like whether it's on a salt bike or a spin bike that people last the longest on, mm-hmm. I will give a heads up, you know, um, be mindful of the seat of the bike Yeah. because there are so many nerves in your pelvic mm-hmm. floor and, <laughs> and that is right on the seat. So you will probably need a bigger seat or a more, uh, like a sure. wider seat. Mm-hmm. Um, Gel seat. Cushion. Yeah. yeah. Be nice to your pelvic floor. Yeah. Um, so the, those things come up for me. The other thing I would say is you don't need to train every day. Like move every day, walk, mm-hmm. do the basics. Just don't sit at a computer all day, every day. But you don't need to train every day. We like to keep it between two and four days of training a week. Okay. Um, and you'll definitely hit all body parts in like the program. But, um, you know, some days the lifting may focus on like squats, lower body, uh, deadlifts, hinges. Um, the next day it might be more upper body focused as far as like the lifting portion goes, the strength portion. Maybe a bench press, maybe a press, it may be some pulling. But, in all of our programs, you'll see basic stuff. You'll see a squat, you'll see a hinge, you'll see a carry, you'll see a push, you'll see a pull. And it's boring work, but it's like the basics work, you Mm -hmm. know? And we've just catered all of that, tailored to it, like for training for birth. Mm -hmm. We're not modifying the wad of the day, you know, the workout of the day in the CrossFit world. We're not, you know, just inserting a movement here or there. It's really intentional um, because we want movement to feel safe and good in your body. We also want it to nourish your body mm-hmm. and we want you to come out feeling empowered and strong. And when you come out of that training session and you've made your lift rather than failed, you know, then you carry that confidence into the rest of your day into making choices like positive yeah. choices into labor and delivery. And it's just, the, the carryover is huge. Yeah. And like you said, you know, in that time of the active birth, you want these tools in your tool belt to be available and familiar. And so that the body can guide Mm -hmm. what you need and you can be with baby and and help mechanically shift based on baby's need. And so it's kind of like the idea when we talk Becky about like, if you're using a mantra or an affirmation right. yes. or if you're dealing with anxiety, yes. I think of that. It's like, I always say you need to use it as a preparation. Yeah. So when you are stressed yes. out, your affirmation or mantra is osmotic. It's passive. Yes. It's like the body knows and it's goes in back into that place. Yes. yes. And so it's like you're priming the body to find these natural patterns yes. that feel like you, I love the word safe. They feel yeah. safe. They feel familiar. Mm-hmm. And so when under a little bit more of that sympathetic stress, yeah. adrenaline yeah. hormone surge, the body knows where to go. You're totally. not trying to find it. Totally. You nailed yeah, so it. I think that's yeah. huge. Like the gym or the studio right. or your garage gym or wherever that's yeah. the lab. That's the practice. Yeah. yeah. And when you start to incorporate more of that into your body, you're like, Oh, I, 
this lunge feels great. You know, these hip circles feel great. Then you're automatically, it's just the intuition is going to go there during yeah. labor and delivery. It's so interesting. Cause yeah. the, my birth with Noah, I said, <laughs> I feel like my training all just went out the window and I was like <laughs> no. flying by the seat, but I didn't do birth fit for that one. I did an online birth class and Byron and I did it from bed at like midnight after the we night worked. Before? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. We did it in advance, but we didn't really like get up and physically practice. Mm. Oh, do the positions and like hip presses. Because there were no in-person classes. So we kind of took the the lazy version of like, we can watch this in bed after we watch our show. Um, and so I feel like this time around, I'm like, Hey, you need to come like, watch me do these things and like have familiarity familiarity too, but like that I'm physically doing them in my body. I feel like yeah. This time around, it will come some a little bit more naturally. We'll do some of the workouts together. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. they'll do it like once a week. Yeah. Part couples therapy, partner bonding, whatever you want to call it. But they see how capable their wife, the mother of their child is. Yes. They're like, whoa, she's not weak. She's strong. Bird dogs yeah. are kind of hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yes. Yeah. They respect yes. it. <laughs> That's good. Oh, she's not just playing. Yeah. She's actually yeah. like bear so crawling cool. 30 yeah. feet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your work as a doula and especially, um, you know, we've heard of the concepts like the business of birthing, Mm -hmm. um, the big faux pas or issues of industrialized birthing, if Mm. you will. Mm. Um, And so I want to, and I don't know, I I think of, I don't think we've even discussed other than passively, like in the bad season, the impact, (laughs) because Becky was of course delivering in Mm -hmm. the bad season. Yeah. When did you give birth? Um, September, 2020. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And so the big thing, I mean, I was as her bestie freaking out, like no matter what you will not, you know, like the the idea that there were these cloths being put between mom and baby or, or masks on mother's (laughs) facial, I mean, those immediately the golden hour. Um, so what types of things not going on a cathartic process of being robbed, but what types of (laughs) things are of concern of the natural process of birth Mm -hmm that are your primary pet peeves of the industrialized birthing model? All of it. No. <laughs> and I know that's like a whole, but I just want to kind of hit on a couple of those because I think yeah. there's a lot of aha yeah. in that. What are your pet peeves? I mean, yeah, and I mean, we've talked about vitamin K. We've talked mm-hmm. about erythromycin oh, and some, yeah. some of those elements. And like okay. the post, but, but just, I would like to hear from you. Yeah, the big <laughs> yeah. ones. So, okay, you have two ends of the spectrum, right? You have a birth in the wild or a free birth natural physiological birth that happens in the woods and then on the other end of the spectrum you have a cesarean hospital birth sterile yes super sterile and you know i feel like our society has swung the pendulum so far to this side of things that's um industrialized Mm -hmm. medicalized pharmaceuticals like Mm -hmm. everything and we're almost you know there's some great books out there and you know, Dr. Michelle O'Donnell, he wrote a book called Childbirth and the Future of Homo Sapiens that blew my mind and probably was the reason why I like actually said, I got to do what I got to do, mm-hmm. you know, with birth fit. And as he po- he raised the question of like the way we give birth and um, care for humans in the first year called the primal period <clears throat> or, you know, from about three months prior to conception to the first two years of life is critical period, primal period. We call it the motherhood transition, but it's a big influence. Um, it's when 
we as humans have the most exponential growth, especially in our neurological systems and development. But, you know, he's saying, you know, us influencing and poking and prodding and doing so much during that time, how are we not selecting against our own selves, our own species, you know, in, in the world of natural selection and evolution? And, you know, that really got me thinking because in the United States, we have a um, over 30% cesarean rate and it's going to like 35%. Mm -hmm. Um, Some states are 37%. And the World Health Organization, which we all take them with a grain of salt now, but um, they recommend that a country, a society have, you know, somewhere around 10, maybe 15% of cesareans Mm -hmm. in order for that country to be healthy, mm-hmm. you know, and have a healthy species. And, um, you know, this, some of the words I might use have biology around them, but, uh, species and evolution, but, um, that really appealed, appealed to my, the biology side of me and yeah. studying the living and things like that. So when I started diving in, that's when I was like, okay, I got to write the blog. I got to share some information and as somebody that grew up with my background, like I said, I was standard American, standard American and freaking everything. Mm-hmm. I never seen a birth until I was a doula. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, we're conditioned to think it's not safe. Right. It's not right. safe. It's a medical emergency. Of a hospital. Right. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I'd seen it in the hospital or in the movies where it was right. in the right. hospitals. And what you see is like, oh my God, I hate you. You did this to me. Yeah, like right. cursing right. at the husband. Right. Yeah. Screaming. It's the worst yeah. thing Nurses ever. holding him down. Yeah. <laughs> And so based on my experience, you know, in fourth grade with asthma being in the hospital and intensive care, I was like, oh, if that's how you have a baby, I want nothing to do with that Uh because I'm not stepping foot back into the hospital. Uh Well, when I started exploring birth and with clients and patients and one in particular case, she was an actress and she said, you know, I want to have a baby, ha- give birth in my off season when the show's not mm-hmm. going. And I want to come back and, you know, just get on with season 11 yep. or whatever. 4 p.m. on the 27th yeah. of October. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I'll take that appointment. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, how do you do that? Yeah. So that's when I started researching. And um, long story short, I was like, I came back to her. And this was like ignorant, naive me, you know, early on in my career. And I was like, well, the best thing you can do is give birth without medication with a midwife out of the hospital. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and she goes, how do I do that? I was like, no idea. Um, <laughs> let's figure it out. So we found a midwife. Let's thank ask God. Jeeves together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before Google. So long story short, she found a midwife and the midwife had hospital privileges, which she no longer does. But, um, her husband was somebody that wanted to stay in the hospital, which is a whole nother discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, and she had a great experience. Thank God, because none of us knew what we were doing, (laughs) but that really got my wheels turning. And I saw this out of hospital, like this natural birth. And I say natural birth with quotations because no natural birth can occur in the hospital right? and unmedicated Mm -hmm. birth. Um, but I saw that and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Then I got to see birth out of the hospital completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a whole, the whole different team. Everybody's kind of on the same page. They want the same thing where if you step foot in the hospital, everybody's on their own agenda and they're transient. 
Oh my gosh. They're in and out. Right. Yes. They're like, who yes. are you again? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't even, you don't even know if your OB is going to be there. Right. Like it's wild. So yeah, the, oh my God. So we're in this, the spectrum of things. And, um, I really do think we're at a crossroads as with anything. And part of the big, the big crossroads is deciding how we want to birth our future humans and our generations. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's, like I said, there's so much that happens within that first year of life, pregnancy that impacts that child's health for the rest of their life. And that's probably why I said I felt robbed. (laughs) Um, And I don't say this to condemn anybody or to like, um, you know, shame people. But I say this because when we know better, we do better. Right. You know, and um, I want to do better for my next generation, just as my mom wanted to do better with me and my brother and sister. And, you know, you Mm -hmm. find out the information and you do the best you can with what you have until you can do better. Yes. And, um, you know, I truly believe that once you start poking and prodding, whether it be, you know, a simple blood test or an ultrasound or whatever, all of those things count as an intervention. Mm -hmm. They feel the shift in energy of the mom, whether it be, you know, you're in a safe environment, maybe do a blood test at your midwife's house, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. But you feel a shift and that affects baby and baby is in mom and baby sees the world for the first time ever through mom's lens, through mom's nervous system. Mm-hmm. Baby is riding like on horseback on mom's nervous system, mm-hmm. you know, hitchhiking on mom's nervous system. And so that's their first interaction with earth is through mom's lens. Um, so everything, you know, if you're not in the woods and who, like everybody's birth dream birth is going to look a little different everybody's birth desires and preferences like you may feel safe in the ocean with dolphins giving birth and that's okay you may feel safe in the hospital and that's okay (laughs) but you got to choose where you want to feel safe but I truly believe everything you know that's not free in the woods you know once you start poking and prodding there's intervention intervention and you could go you know, so far down the spectrum of intervention that you're getting an ultrasound every week, mm-hmm. that you're doing mm-hmm. blood tests every week, that you're, you know, so neurotic about things that mm-hmm. you've lost the intuition, the mother's yeah. intuition. You've lost the trust that it's in the great source, your God, whatever you believe in. And you've put the power in the white coat. You've mm-hmm. put the power in the medical industrial complex. Right. That, that whole, um, surrender of medical autonomy totally Mm -hmm. totally and there's I don't think there's a greater exercise or um you know experience than the birth experience for you to like really get clear on your autonomy Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's wild I feel like that really clarified it for me also during COVID there's like two of these yeah that's a huge huge powers (laughs) oh wow there's a lot here and and a lot I remember it wasn't, it wasn't your birth center. It actually did 
require masks, but I remember you were like, I wasn't even wearing, I wasn't underwear, wearing underwear when underwear. I came in. So, She's like, so I clearly wasn't, was, no one was caring. Was She's like, I had, pants, <laughs> I had a t-shirt and I was just right, out there. Right. And I walked like, in like a, and a mask. No. Seven centimeters <laughs> dilated. I'm like, yeah. I'm having this baby. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No one's right telling me anything now. to do with my face. Well, <laughs> and they asked me to put it on the last, literally, oh I was gosh. wheeling, I was being wheeled in the wheelchair out the door. I could see the door. It was like 50 feet away. And the nurse goes, Oh, I forgot to ask. Do you have a mask? And I'm like, the, the door's right there. Like, do I give her the bird? <laughs> I, I mean, I already came to get what I get. Like, yeah. you just, I'll get up. Wheel walk. me out. Just wheel me out. <laughs> My God. I think the the shenanigans, the Divock shenanigans mm-hmm. have really revealed where people's yes. belief systems are right. around medicine around healing human body yeah totally Mm -hmm. and you know i'm somebody that believes in the power that made the body heals the body Mm -hmm. yeah just no interference Mm -hmm. you know um yes we can do things to support it right but get out of the way yeah right you know just like in birth get out of the way ultimate sovereignty through yeah it is totally Mm -hmm. and oh my god i've heard so many horror stories about 2020 and let me read you all this stat. Is this the fentanyl? Can you share that? Was that oh, you or am yeah. I? Okay. Yes. But okay, I'll share that. Because that's like ultimate horror. I'm like, what in the what? That was so brutal. And and even even um, it's interesting because at natural birth centers, some will use nitric oxide, mm-hmm. and then you know Ben Lynch talks so much yeah. about the toxicity influence of that. I mean, yeah. it's just wild. Any of the pain management. Yeah. Well, and I'm like, okay, if you're a chiropractor or an acupuncturist or a midwife, don't you believe in the body? Right. But you're making me show up to a birth center with a mask right or oh my gosh okay so this stat this is maternal mortality rate for 2020 2020 the year you gave birth was 23.8 deaths per 100,000 wow in 2019 it was 20.1 so in one year it went up from 20.1 to 23.8 And we have the worst maternal mortality rate out of all developed countries. Only 1.61% of births happen out of the hospital. So tell me where women are dying again. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like Mm -hmm. what? All these negligence, these like this Mm -hmm. bullshit is happening in the hospitals. Mm -hmm. Like what? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, the, the other thing you wanted me to read yeah, was the, um, the iatro- iatrogenic right, right the right. medically induced <sighs> yeah and yet we're taught to fear like did you see that shia labeouf home birth movie have you guys seen oh that? somebody else <laughs> asked me about that i don't think <laughs> don't i don't watch, watch it yeah. don't watch it and don't ever i don't know don't why ever recommend it <laughs> byron but it, it wasn't while well, i'm currently pregnant but oh, it was like after God. i'd had noah and i'm like why did we oh you told me that? about it yeah it's about a woman who loses her baby at home mm-hmm. and it's <sighs> just like total propaganda yeah, like completely totally. anti-home birth propaganda oh. well i don't know do the, not watch the, it i would assume someone. it's a multi-billion dollar industry the birthing yeah. industry right well um, when you step foot in a hospital you're they're going to itemize everything right. and charge you for everything right. so they're going to charge you for the advil they give mm-hmm. you or the tylenol mm-hmm. they're going to charge you for the c-section right. they're going to charge the you gauze. for everything yep. and then once baby's born they they're get gonna, a separate invoice. Well, yeah. that's, that's what screwed <laughs> yeah. me. Um, right. So I had an emergency C-section. We won't go into that because I've done that on another episode. But um, once your baby is born in a hospital setting, because you've met your deductible mm. as the woman who gave birth, your baby, because they have their own social mm-hmm. security number yes. based on their birth certificate, yeah. gets billed. <sighs> so they can maximize in that it's sense. It's so wild. Yeah. It's super insane. 
then that that's a big question you know when women so they're building on two versus yeah. one in a birth that makes sense yeah I mean, that's a huge business totally it's the business of being born mm-hmm. totally if you haven't seen that movie watch it mm-hmm. it's still relevant even though it's like 20 plus years old mm-hmm. um but the families come to me and they're like i don't know if i can afford out of hospital birth yeah i'm like can you afford an in-hospital birth? Right. Like a cesarean is $30,000. Right. Yeah. right, yeah. Like on a good day. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. what do you, save money at, like start a registry, get people to donate. Mm-hmm. Like yes. instead of, you know, all the crap that people get for baby showers, yep. like invest, toys. yes, right. invest in a doula, I mean, invest my, in yeah. your midwife. Yeah. I love that idea of doing in one of those like, you know, third-party gift yes. wish list yes. and asking yeah. for a doula donation. Yeah. I'm like, I think that's a fabulous it's, gift. Yeah. Such a good gift. Uh-huh. Or yeah. that or lactation consultant. Yes. yes. All of these. Put yes. money towards you know. that. I love that. Services versus yes. the things. Yes, uh-huh. totally. Which you just get yep. overburdened yep. with. And, yeah. And it's also worthwhile, like, asking about yes. um, insurance coverage for oh my gosh, out-of-hospital yeah. birth. My um, birth actually ended up with Noah being covered almost Ooh. fully. I had much better insurance through Byron's company at the time. Mm. Um, and this time I think, you know, I'll push back anyway and see what they'll, <laughs> what they'll kick back, but probably not a whole lot. More but, and more I mean, it was starting very to cover. inexpensive. Yeah. I think because the, you know, we speak with our dollars mm-hmm. and uh, there was such a great, so we used to teach live coach seminars. Now it's all online. Um, but there was a gentleman that attended a seminar in Dallas and we were, one woman said, I really want an out of hospital birth, but I can't afford it. And, um, you know, that's, that's the hangout for me and my husband. It's kind of like, I really want to get well and right. use functional medicine, right. but I can't afford it. Yeah. It's like right. the same thing. Yes. Like, what is same sick care? And yes. what is afford right. to be sick? Yeah. Well, and then he said, Hey, we speak with our dollars and you, we have to start somewhere. So if you start speaking with your dollars, you're making an impact for the next woman behind you. That's right. I was like, you, this gentleman, this CrossFit coach, this beautiful man, like, mm-hmm. thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this was, you are way years ahead. What, what are, uh, cause I, so I know from 2016, I believe my midwife in Houston was 6,500 is what I'm remembering. Mm-hmm. I'm not really good with numbers, but does mm-hmm. that kind of sound like mm-hmm. about yeah. what maybe a midwife would charge? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it depends on geographical location. Right. right. Like some, some, in some places in America will be like 3,500. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, Dr. Stu, who's an out-of-hospital OB in LA, is going to be a lot more expensive. But if you're starting right with that awareness of pregnancy and you're saving, it can totally. be a pretty reasonable, yep. if you're saving monthly yep. leading up to it, a pretty Absolutely. reasonable, budgetable And they give spend. you, if you talk to them, and they'll they'll work with you. They'll mm-hmm. give you payment plan options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, oh my God, midwives are the best. You yeah. know, um, they're great. The, and like you touched on, like the, there are the unfortunate circumstances of where you have to transfer sure. and then you get double, right. Mm-hmm. Double payment. Yeah. There was no refund at the end. Of yeah. That. yeah no. And like, that, not only do I have to cope with the loss of the dream and be depressed, yeah, right. but now I'm financially now I'm paying yeah, everybody. No, yeah. 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 There are those unfortunate things. Yeah. Um, the, God, what was I going to say on top of that? Um, Oh, but the number one of the no, the actual number one reason for transfer is exhaustion mm-hmm. before any kind of right. medical mm-hmm. emergency. Mm-hmm. So, like, just have that in your mind when you're trying to decide where to give birth, who to pick on your birth team, yeah. those sort of things. And if it does come down to it, I like the midwife. I worked at two birth centers in LA, and 
anytime there was a transfer, they were all like super patient with payment. Yeah. Yep. Um, it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. And your midwife will often attend with you, like mine yes. did the vaginal seating and yeah. you know, we did what we could yeah. to modify the, yeah. the sterility. Yeah. Totally. Usually the midwives go to the hospital. Yeah. There's such a bond there. Oh yeah. After I inserted the, the non-sterile gauze and I was telling Brady <laughs> what he needed to do with it, he was like, oh no. He's like, wait, you want me to take that thing that you stuck up your vagina and you want me to rub it all over this brand new baby's eyeballs and in her mouth. My kid. He's like, he's like, I get it. He's like, I get it. Like, cause you know, I was like, vaginal microbiome, blah, blah, blah. This is the chamber that she would pass through. Like, this is yeah. what we're doing. And he, yeah. he got it conceptually, but he's like, I can't stand around a medical team and like advocate for that. Like I feel way too, you know, and so it was really awesome. great having the midwife be like, I got this. And she also was able to advocate a delayed cord clamp, you know, as it's best awesome. you can do. And right yeah. now we're thromycin. And so yeah, that's we huge. Do what we could. The, I wanted to touch on like you mentioned the Shia LaBeouf movie. Yeah. Um, and one of the questions that I worked through with some clients of mine is, you know, being okay with death. Mm-hmm. because birth and death are like sisters. Mm, like, yeah, we're guaranteed that in this life. Yeah. But birth is the portal between them. Yeah. No one's getting wild. out of this thing alive. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've faced like death for real when, um, Divac happened. And I think it revealed like how like fearful our society and our population is of death. And there's no sacredness around death. And yeah, it's just like, that's that's part of the gig mm-hmm. you know um and so i think being like exploring death and being okay with death is as much a part of the birth journey as you know looking at your birth as a mother or father and you know deciding your values and just like how do you feel around death um because it happens yeah. totally yeah okay you got to share the fentanyl thing just because yeah. i oh, cleaned up <laughs> so <laughs> this, th- this is, crazy. is um and then we'll then we'll wrap up yeah. oh yeah yeah so a lot of the, I have an office in New Braunfels and it's a chiropractic and wellness office. And a lot of the new patients I see are women somewhere along the continuum of preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum. And this woman came in and she's three months postpartum and, um, she like super brave of her cause she's very young too. And, um, baby's adorable, actually like super chunky, cute little thing. And I was going through a birth story with her. She said, I'm ready to heal from my traumatic hospital birth. Mm -hmm. Those were the words she used. And then like, okay, can we talk about your birth story? Well, (laughs) long story short, they induced her, Mm -hmm. um, you know, standard medical induction route, like Cervidil, then Pitocin. Mm -hmm. And Pitocin is gnarly because it contracts your uterus and you don't get a break really. and so she's like, hello, can I get an epidural? They did a blood test. They're like, no, your platelets are too low. So they gave her fentanyl oh. instead. <laughs> okay. And we have an opioid crisis like, in America. Like, is that not insane? Oh. It is. So what's We're even. We're doing that. Yeah. It's even <laughs> crazier. That that. Isn't that like beyond black box level secret right. class? Right. Like, where right. is that drug? You know, like what in the what? What I found out. And it depends on the hospital, but more times than not, fentanyl is also included in epidurals. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I was on IV morphine <sighs> with the C-section, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. So we have an opioid crisis in America, and we're giving this to babies the first day of life. Priming them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, what in God's name? Like, 
<clears throat> bless her heart, like I felt incredibly bad for her because she, you know, when she trusted the medical system. Yeah. But it was so brave of her to come in, and I was just like, I hate to tell you this, but that was bullshit. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm so glad you're here. <clears throat> so yeah. there's there's things like that that you know I hear all the time. Um, you know, 2020 revealed so much mm-hmm. and, um, the horror stories, like I won't end on them. Um, yeah. but like we were talking about, I think it revealed so much that we're in a place where we can, the choice is ours, you know, yeah. how we want to do it, which I think is cool. It's interesting. I feel so strongly in the ability as a functional medicine practitioner to, of course, support the human body and the miracles that it's capable of. Um, and working with the body, but I think all too often we're in this like doctor or medical practitioner is the puppeteer of the body. And when I think of the birthing process, it's like this, right? We overstimulate, shut it down, overstimulate. And it's like these levers that some (laughs) bullshit puppeteer is trying to like, oh, the leg went too high. Okay, switch this part of the, the, you know, marionette kind of deal. And instead of allowing this to be controlled by God, again, giving and trusting in the process and allowing the body, knowing that when the heart rate goes up, the body is innately doing Mm -hmm. something. Um, And finding that trust, again, when we over-monitor, we (laughs) over-intervene. And so I think that's a huge, huge thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you looked at all the the medical, like the common interventions, like the fetal heart rate monitor during labor, they were never intended to be used in the manner they're used today. Kind of like a PCR right. test. You're just waiting. For, <laughs> right. We're no, for real. It's just totally. so like, literally, can't, yeah. We're just yep. creating totally. these um, ways of controlling right. what can't be controlled. Yeah, right. It's Absolutely. so interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. It sure. Mm. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I think we could talk to you about this stuff all, all day. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tell listeners just where to find more of your amazing work yeah. and um, tell them about Willow House, tell them about <laughs> Birth It and yeah. all the things. We haven't really even touched on like how chiropractic care comes into this. So yeah. part two someday. <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So you can find me at BirthFit, uh, birthfit.com, Instagram, BirthFit. Um, if you want to see me in person, come to Willow House, and it's W I L L O W H A U S, the German spelling, and that's in New Braunfels, Texas. And um, yeah, that's where I spend all of my time um, in at Willow House and on BirthFit. My personal Instagram is like just my shenanigans it's and sarcasm, really good, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll link it too. Uh, Lindsay underscore M underscore Cantu. I recently got married and changed my name. Um, yeah, that was that was one of our discussions. So um, <laughs> I, I'm actually proud proud of changing my yeah. name. It's wild. Yeah, I thought I never would be, and I'm like yeah. totally owning yeah. it. Yeah, one of those ego. Yeah, shifts. <laughs> yeah, totally. But awesome. um, yeah, find me there. Cool. All the places. Cool. This has been so awesome. What a eye-opening conversation for, I'm sure, many listeners. And I encourage y'all to check her out on all of those avenues. Uh, Thank you for listening. And you can catch us next week. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.